Good morning. Welcome to Emmet Audio. Uh, kind of unusual. I'm sitting on my staircase at home, getting ready to go to the Grove. And I have the house to myself, so I thought I'd do the episode here. Yes, dogs, we're going to go soon. Relax. Um, so the other day, I came across, uh, I don't know, I was, I was scrolling through probably the spoon carving hashtag. And um, I came across a book called Carve. I can't forget, I can't remember the subtitle. Here it is, by Melanie uh, Abrantes. Um who is a woodworker out in Oakland and uh, it looked like an interesting book. So I ordered it and it arrived and and I want to talk about this because Melanie is at the forefront of this alternate community of spoon carving. And I wanted to talk about what these two communities were and why they maybe don't overlap as much as perhaps they should. Um, So, if you listen to me, you're probably into spoon carving where you take a log and you um, saw it to length and you axe it down to size and then you carve it with uh, a sloid and a hook knife. And and that culture of kind of vaguely, vaguely Scandinavian but also largely British culture of carving spoons from green wood. Um, but there's another type of spoon carving, which I think a lot of us start out with, where you take drier wood, either um, firewood in my case, or in many cases, boards from the hardware store, and you saw them either on a bandsaw or or you use an axe, um, and you, you carve them, and then you sand them. And it seems like especially in the last five years, there's been a real split where those two communities don't overlap, um, which is funny because a lot of times the the dry wood sandpaper crowd is very much into using Japanese style wood carving tools um, and techniques, you know, including, um, oh, what are they called? Bench stops, right? Where you sort of just have a little thing that comes up against the edge of a table and then creates a little lip that you can push against when you're using a gouge. Um, and the Sloyd community is, has gotten really into Japanese tools as well, it seems, or certainly influences as well recently. So you'd think there'd be more overlap between the two, but here's, um, here's why I think there's not as much overlap as there might be. I think it comes down to the human desire to pick a tribe. And when a tribe gets big enough, it starts to splinter. So I think probably 10, 15 years ago, if you were a spoon carver, you were just a spoon carver. And everyone who carved spoons was in the same tribe. Um, but as the community's gotten bigger uh, and and more complex sort of tribes get defined. And one of the tribes that got defined was when Robin Wood wrote a blog about why he stopped sanding. I know for me, this was the moment when I really shifted from um, 
into thinking myself thinking of myself as part of this Greenwood Working Tribe, because it seems like a big thing about this Greenwood Working Tribe is that there's this focus on trying to get as clean a tool finish as you can, which I know a lot of people find super frustrating. Now, the reason uh, Robin stopped sanding, um, and the reason that I did as well, was that uh, he said, you know, the moment I put down the sandpaper was the moment I had to start pushing myself to be better with the knives. And that really spoke to me. I realized that the sandpaper, I was leaving stuff. I wasn't pushing myself as far as I could because the I knew I could get stuff with the sandpaper. And quite frankly, the sandpaper was the part that I hated. So I was happy to step away from the sandpaper, but also scared to do so. And and my spoons definitely took a step down in their perceived quality for a handful of years. It took me a while to get back to a place where I felt like I could really uh, produce the work I wanted to produce. But I think what I gained was that I gained this sense of, oh, I belong to this community. Now, I'm not saying that was a good thing. I'm just saying that's that's the trade-off that I got for joining that team, essentially, is is aligning myself with that crowd of people who were carving spoons without using sandpaper. Um, the problem comes when someone like Melanie writes a book and, and really has done uh, extraordinary work for the last five years, has been in a bunch of magazines, has won awards, and has done some really innovative things, not just in, probably not really innovative things in spoon carving, but she's done some really beautiful, her, her main thing is sort of vases and vessels made out of wood uh, and also out of cork and sort of combining glass and wood and glass and ceramics. I'm sorry, wood and ceramics. And and a lot of her aesthetic really matches my own. So in many ways, the work that she's doing is much more to my aesthetic than uh, that of much of the Greenwood wood, woodworking community. Um, but there is this way in which, you know, when somebody feels like they're not in your team, feels like they're not in your team. And it's so silly because here's someone who has worked really hard for the last five years, has accomplished a lot in many ways operates the same way I do where she has standard line of products and um, you know and is pushing herself to develop new ones and yet I barely knew who she was I think I'd like maybe come across her once before so I think it's important for us to check ourselves regularly and ask if we are um excluding people I, I don't know if she would feel excluded um but just not considering people who we should be considering as our peers simply because of uh some boundaries that in many cases are set by other people um and and that's unfortunate and i think it's something that we should work on as a community to reach across those gaps and um and reunite with people with whom we probably have a lot more in common than we think. Thanks for listening as always.